Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. It's all presented by Coors Light. He's Lance Menno. I'm John Schmelk. The phone number to get in touch with us and talk with us about New York Giants football is 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. want to remind you that if you get this program via podcast beginning on December 1st, Big Blue Kickoff Live will no longer be found on the Giants audio podcast. In fact, the Big Blue Kickoff Live feed is live right now. So if you're listening to this via podcast, make sure you go search for Big Blue Kickoff on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to the new feed, which is live now. Again, it will no longer be heard on the Giants audio podcast feed starting on December 1st. want to remind you that Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience, courtesy of Coors Light. Text VIP to 90464 for more details. Well, <sighs> the Giants fall to the Jets 34-27. to Not what you want. Six straight losses. And Lance losing to a 1-17. 17 is obviously uh, a new low this season. And the Giants fall to a team that a lot of people thought they should have beaten. A team that they had a better record than. And it just continues down the path that the Giants have been on these you know, past half dozen weeks where when they need to make a play, they can't make it, whether on offense or defense. When the other play, other team needs a play, they do. They lose the turnover battle once again, a minus one, which turned out to be the difference in the game. Minus two, actually, because Golden Tate lost that last uh, fumble. Not that it reflected on the game, but at least in the turnover differential department, it's going to go down as a minus two. Which is why numbers can sometimes be deceitful, True. because it was really more yes. of a minus one game, and the Giants lose to the Jets. Yeah, you're 100% right, John, in terms of the reoccurring issues that we're seeing. And I know it sounds like it's deja vu all over again, and we're not trying to beat a dead horse here. But unfortunately, these self-inflicted wounds, correct, just continue to come to the forefront. And this was the latest setback in which turnovers, to your point, came back to bite them. And not just turnovers. We've been talking about this week in and week out. It's the fact that the opposition is capitalizing, John, off of those turnovers. Okay, this was yet another defensive score by the opposing team. Dallas Cowboys returned to fumble for a touchdown. The Detroit Lions returned to fumble for a touchdown. The New England Patriots returned to fumble for a touchdown. So you're starting to see a trend where not only are there issues in ball security, but the opposition is cashing them in. So that, to me, was a huge turning point. Jamal Adams ripping the ball out of Daniel Jones' hands and not just giving the Jets favorable field position, absolutely taking that and running it into the end zone for a touchdown. Yeah, the Jets had come out to a 14-0 lead in this game. The Giants worked their way all the way back, and they actually took... A 20, a 14, 13, they would only show 14, 13 at halftime. And then the first play of the second half, bing, bang, boom, you get that, you know, strip return for a touchdown. And it kind of gave the Jets that cushion. The Giants eventually came back, took the lead. Then the Jets finished the game scoring, I believe, 10 straight points to win 34, 27. Might even been 13 Yeah, they outscored them uh, 10 nothing in the fourth, at least. Correct. Yes, they did. Yeah, at one point, the Giants led 27-21. So they outscored the Giants 13 nothing yep. to close the game. And I don't want to put it on Daniel Jones because that isn't fair. Because, by the way, teams are allowed to overcome turnovers and defensive touchdowns. And if you're minus one, and again, technically minus two, but if you're minus one in a game... That's a game you should be able to win. When you get into minus two, minus three territory, it gets really, really hard. But minus one, you can still go out there and, and win a game like that. And the Giants are not good enough right now 
to overcome those types of mistakes. Overall, Daniel Jones played well. 26 of 43, 08, four touchdowns, no picks. He had one or two passes that maybe could have been intercepted that weren't, but they weren't. That's the most important thing. He gets sacked six times. And when you go to that run here, Lance, at the end of the game where the Jets outscored the Giants 13 to nothing, it's been the same story at the end of a lot of these games. When the Giants need to score points, they haven't been able to protect their quarterback. That's what happened again in the fourth quarter in this game. The Giants' last few drives short-circuited by poor pass protection. On defense, the Jets allowed three passes of 15 or more yards in the final 16 minutes of this contest. And that's not including the DeAndre Baker pass interference penalty that put the ball at the one-yard line. So that was in effect, a 33-yard game. In effect, it's four chunk plays because that, in effect, is a chunk play, right? And the Giants simply cannot make the plays that they need to at the end of these games to win. And I know people will call and say, well, it's a close game. That means you're only a couple plays away, right? Not necessarily. That's What separates good teams from bad teams is that good teams make those plays and, and teams that are struggling aren't. And that's why the Giants are where they are right now because in these crucial situations, Lance, on both sides of the ball, the team doesn't make the plays they have to to turn these losses into wins. And often instead of making plays, they will make mistakes instead. And the mistakes come in many different forms, John, whether it be a turnover, whether it be a penalty, whether it be a sack allowed. I mean, this to me is the telling number. Last five possessions of the game for the Giants, two first downs, three sacks allowed, and there was a penalty against Spencer Pulley, a false start. So that means that they had a lot of self-inflicted wounds, negative plays where it looked like maybe they would be in a manageable third down, then all of a sudden you give up a sack, so it's a third and long, and you know, third and long was obviously a big theme in this game. You know, eight for 18 on third down, which may not look terrible from a percentage standpoint, but I mean, look at the down and distances, John, throughout the course of this game. And what was that a reflection of? Well, it was a reflection of what you just hit on, which is the negative plays. But on top of that, okay, let's not overshadow 17 carries for 23 yards. I mean, the Giants couldn't run the football. When you can't run the football on first and second down, how do you expect to be faced with manageable third downs? Forget one drive, just about every single drive. And the funny thing is that in the first three quarters, at least, the Giants converted those third and longs. Daniel Jones for the game was 5 of 10 on third down of 9 or more yards. 5 of 10. That is a ridiculous percentage. Him and Darius Slayton had it going out there, and they were converting those passes outside the numbers. They were doing a great job, but... You can't sustain oh, that. Absolutely. No NFL team sustains that. You can do it in short bursts, and the Jets, it helps that they're going against a secondary like the Jets, whose corners have been poor all year. It was similar like when they played the Lions, and the Lions' corners, they were missing Darius Slay. Their corners weren't very good. So you take advantage of that. It counts. But you're right, you can't sustain it. Saquon Barkley, 13 carries for one yard. Hard At to believe. At halftime, he had eight carries for eight yards. That means in his five <laughs> runs in the second half, he gained negative seven yards. That's hard to believe. It's amazing. I mean, those numbers, hard to even make sense of them. And a lot of the players had the same reaction, Saquon Barkley himself, but it goes back to the penetration that the Jets' defensive front, John, had throughout the course of this game. And I don't want to sit here and talk about how the Jets were a lackluster team. You know, they weren't fighting hard. They didn't produce throughout the season. You got to give credit to that group. That group played very hard, okay? On the flip side. And by the way, they were the best yards per carry yeah. run team in the league heading into this game. So you knew that they were good against the run. Greg Williams puts a priority on it, throwing the fact that Giants were missing two and then three of their starting offensive linemen. 
Barkley didn't have a lot of room to run. Their front did a great job. Yeah, they were top six also in terms of total yards per game on the ground. Yep. They were only giving up 89 yards per game. So I don't think the Jets necessarily showed the Giants anything that was earth-shattering, but you still figured given the amount of injuries over the course of the rest of the defense and the loss of Leonard Williams because of the trade, that maybe the Giants would be able to capitalize. Unfortunately, they weren't. As you mentioned, they ultimately were down three starting offensive linemen because Nate Solder went down early with the concussion. And by the way, do do people still want to just trade Nate Solder away, by the way? Do you guys, are are you done with him? Did you like (laughs) what happened when the backup came in? How'd that work? Was it good? Did you enjoy it? Was it fun? No, I didn't think so. It's always interesting. You grow a greater appreciation for a player that you criticize so much when that player is not there anymore, and then you see somebody else on the depth chart, whether it be quarterback, whether it be left tackle, whether it be middle linebacker, whether it be corner. In about a half a game worth of snaps, he gave up three sacks and three quarterback hits, according to Pro Football Focus. And that's not—the three quarterback hits aren't the three sacks. It's three sacks plus three other quarterback hits. Yeah. And he was ultimately Daniel Jones sacked six times. So you look at the numbers, he's been sacked at least five times in a game for uh, three of the last four games. Yeah. Now, it's not just against the offensive line, in fairness, okay? The quarterback decision-making is a big part of this. That's and not why I'm bringing up the numbers. There's somebody else, by the way, you could put on the pass protection, too. Saquon Barkley. Who, for a third straight week now, has had issues in pass protection, where this week it was the mental stuff. He was in the right spot. He was picking up the right guy. But Jamal Adams whooped him. He did. Got whooped. Yeah. And Barkley admitted as much after the game. He said, I got to be better. And he does. Yeah. Because you, you got to be able to try. And look, they were, it got to the point where they're taking him out on third and longs in the fourth quarter of that game. And they're putting Wayne Gallman in. And, you know, one of Barkley's strengths is, is, is in the pass game, right? As a receiver. Can't have him on the field on the third down if you can't trust him to protect against the blitz. Well, that's why it sounds like a cliched line, John, but how many times when a new running back arrives or it's a rookie back, and I know Barkley's in his second year, and you hear from the running back's coach, whoever it is, or you hear from the coach, and you're wondering, well, why doesn't this guy get playing time? Why are we not seeing him on the field? And usually the response is, we've got to trust that that player is going to be able to pick up the necessary protections and put the quarterback in a position where he can make a throw. And part of the rationale was, you know, Daniel Jones is a young quarterback. The last thing you want to do, John, is expose your young quarterback to additional hits because the running back, who is supposed to be the second layer of defense, is not necessarily executing effectively. And throw on top of it the fact that Barkley's been good at this before. It was a strength of his. I don't know if it's the effects of the ankle injury, and he still doesn't look like the same guy running the ball. He's, he's still missing that you know super special burst. Maybe he can't, you know, Howard Cross said after the game, maybe he has trouble anchoring on that ankle. Where, you know, you're supposed to step up to meet the blitzer. He's letting the blitzer come to him. Maybe he can't push off. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm grasping the straws here because it's such a odd thing to see a player regress in pass protection after his rookie year. Usually you improve. You don't regress. And that's what we've seen from Barkley. And going back to the sacks, you mentioned the six. I will say this about Jones. I thought looking at them, the only one where I want to put a little bit of a blame on him in terms of holding the ball was actually the play that got stripped and he went for a touchdown on. On that play, the Jets rushed six guys. The Giants had six guys in, in to block. And on that play, if you're a quarterback, you see six guys coming, you got to know you got to hustle here, right? I know you're matched up one-on-one, six-on-six, but if, you're, if the other team's rushing six, you got to assume, all right, I maybe have... Two 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 and a half seconds to get the ball out here. I got to be quick. 
So he goes through his first read. There's one de- deep down the field, right? I think it was a deep in cutter or a post. I don't remember. But Slayton and Tate basically ran dual crisscrossers. So it's almost like they formed an X in the middle of the field around eight yards or nine yards down the field. And Jones started to cock his arm back to make a throw. And both Slayton and Tate had some separation on the cornerbacks. But he pulled it back down. It gave Adams a chance to get there. And that was all she wrote. So I thought Jones could have gotten the ball out a little bit quicker on that one. It would have required a little bit of an of a anticipatory throw, which he is good at. Um, but otherwise, I mean, I didn't think he had much of a chance back there. Either guys weren't open down the field or the rush just got there too fast. Well, and that's a big reason why, once again, last five possessions, two first downs. Uh, it just not much to work with. Uh, not much continuity whatsoever on offense. It, it, it's hard to gain any rhythm if it's a three and out or maybe you run four plays and then you have to punt and that's pretty much what the entire script was after they scored that touchdown to put them up 27-21 because that's what I'm counting those final five possessions you were lucky if you had a drive in which the Giants were able to post six plays and you know no matter whether the Jets have weaknesses or not their ability to win in the trenches helped them make up for some of their shortcomings on the back end of the defense and you know you got to give the Jets defense credit but it's impossible to win and close out games John when you have pass protection issues because that to me has been the theme also what was the ending of the Cardinals game like remember Chandler Jones teeing off John you know, the Giants were very much in the thick no, of that game. This has been right? a trend. Yeah. Trey Flowers at the end of the Lions, the Lions game. game. Same yep. deal. So it goes on and on. We're seeing the last three games. The Dallas game, too. Let's go to that game. In terms of Robert Quinn, Michael, Michael Bennett. Bennett. Mm-hmm. So every team is saying, hey, late in the game, we have confidence. We're going to get the better of the Giants' offensive line. We're going to attack Daniel Jones. And we're not going to allow them to get any opportunities down the field. They're going to have to find a way to either elude the tacklers and so forth, and just the Giants have been unsuccessful in that category. And then on the other side, the Giants' defense, when they need to get a stop late in these games, can't get it either. They, they did force two three-and-outs when the Jets were trying to run their four-minute offense to run the clock out, which, give them credit, did a good job. Offense couldn't deliver on the other end. But before that, they gave up 13 straight points to close out the game, and it was chunk plays again. I mentioned it earlier the Jets had six pass plays of 15 or more yards in the game. Half of them came in the, in the final 16 minutes. You had the deep cross to Crowder. You had the little play-action pass to Trayvon Wesco. And then you had the deep cross to Demarius Thomas. Not to mention the pass interference by Baker. So, yeah. And they couldn't get to the quarterback. The Giants' pass rush was actually active in this game. Pro Football Focus had him putting pressure on the quarterback on almost 50% of Darnold snaps. That's a really high percentage. That's a really nice job. The problem, they only got home twice. And against a team that couldn't protect their quarterback all year. Now, give Darnold credit. He was very mobile in the pocket. He stepped up nicely. He made a couple plays as he was being hit. Give Darnold credit. That's one of the reasons I love him coming out of the draft. He has that kind of off-schedule, Tony Romo-type quality, kind of just gunslinging the ball all over the place. Sometimes it turned to turnovers. Not in this game. So the Giants didn't get home enough, and... They were getting close, but I feel like the secondary lands did not cover long enough in a lot of instances to force Darnold to hold the ball so the pass rush could get home. And, that, and I talked to Carl Banks about that on, on the Giants Rewind podcast. I'm not, it's, not, it's not up yet, but it will be by the end of the day. You can subscribe to that too on all your favorite podcast platforms. And the secondary is just not covering long enough to give that front time to get home. And I give Betcher credit. He blitzed. 
I think it was 16 times in this game. He played man almost 40% of the time. Those are much higher percentages than we've seen from them over yeah, the past few years. They played a blitz team. No, and they played a lot of zone. So that was up. And look, if I was better, I would have done the same thing. Yeah. The Jets' line has struggled. When you pressure Donald, he makes mistakes. And the Jets don't have the best skill position guys to beat you down the field. Crowder's fine, but he's a short-yarded slot guy. And Anderson's a, a deep threat guy. The Jets, for the, for the Giants, for the most part, did a good job slowing down, right? So they put pressure. They got into the backfield, but they just couldn't get home enough against a team that had a higher sack percentage on their dropbacks than any other team in the league this year, and the Giants only got home twice. Yeah, the Jets gave up 37 sacks coming in. That was the second most behind Tennessee. Darnold, three touchdowns, eight interceptions during the three-game losing streak heading into yesterday's game. Most in the league over that stretch. So I agree with you, John. If you're James Betcher, you're looking at all those statistical trends, and you're saying to yourself, we're not going to sit back. We're going to pressure Sam Darnold. We're going to force him to make mistakes. And to Darnold's credit, as you touched on, I thought he threw the ball away at times, which was the wise decision. And notice he learned from that Miami game where he forced it, and it was a bad interception in the red zone. And this was something that Adam Gase had talked about. He is good at learning from his mistakes and adjusting. So Petra still had the priority of saying, let's make sure he learned from his mistakes. So I've got no problem in terms of the strategy. As you mentioned, they just couldn't finish. They couldn't get home. To me, this was the drive, John, that tells a lot about the defensive shortcomings. You had a great special teams play to pin the Jets back at their own seven-yard line. So the game is, at this point, it's 31-27 Jets. It's a four-point game. There is 12 minutes and change left in the fourth quarter. And the Jets have to take over at their own seven. So you feel good because since that opening drive, and the second drive I think you could throw into this conversation, John, I thought the defense regrouped nicely, as you had outlined. They weren't giving up lengthy drives. They were at least making an effort to get off the field on third down. So you were starting to gain some rhythm. And remember, one of the scores in this game was a Jamal Adams touchdown. Remember, this was coming off, though. They did go on the Jets' previous drive. They had went 70 yards for a touchdown. But before That's fair. But, but before that drive, you're right. The Giants' defense had settled down because, they remember, the Jets scored 14 in the first half. To give them 21 was the Jamal Adams play. Yeah. So they had gone almost two quarters or, you know, one. Well, they had no three. points in the second quarter. That's what I'm saying. So they had gone almost two quarters, and the touchdown in the third quarter was, again, the Adams play. So they had gone basically two quarters with the Giants defense really shutting down the Jets offense. Yeah, absolutely. So you figured, okay, if you're the Giants, you're not asking for too much. Your special teams helped you out. And here's where all of a sudden the wheels start falling off the bus, John. Not the first play, but you have a second and nine at the Giants at the Jets eight. Darnold hits Bell on a short pass. He winds up getting eight, so very manageable third down. They capitalize on that, and they give it to a guy that had not caught a pass the entire season. Did he have no catches yeah, before that? Yeah, and he winds up Wesco for 15 yards. That was by a play-action bootleg. So give Gase credit on a third a, and a one. Good play design, yeah. Run and play action, and... It was the tight end coming across the field. I mean, how many times have we seen that this year? Yeah, it's been the Achilles heel. And then here's another play you referenced earlier. This was a 47-yard game by Demarius Thomas, but it's important to note, this was not a 47-yard bomb like to Demarius Thomas. 15-yard catch? So it was all yak yardage. So this is another troublesome trend, John. And again, John. it was Thomas coming all the way across the field, initially covered by Baker, and I don't know if he was supposed to follow him or not, but he didn't. No, he was in the background after that catch. I distinctly remember that. Correct. So he caught it, and then there was no one there. He turned it upfield. Yeah. And what was the issue late in the Cowboys game? Same deal. Cooper over the middle. And then all of a sudden it took it. Blake Jarwin 
Short pass, John. Blake Probably. Jarwin wasn't hit down the field. No. Blake Jarwin zigzagged through the Giants' defense. So once again, this is an issue that we've talked about previously. So the 47-yard chunk puts them first and 10 at the Giants' 22. And then, little by little, they got further up the field to give Ficken a manageable field goal look, which was 35 yards after he had missed the 50-plus yard earlier. And the reason why I bring up this drive is not to say that you know, the Giants' defense didn't regroup because they did. They didn't give up a touchdown, but there's a distinct difference, John, between keeping it a four-point game versus now the Jets extended to a full touchdown. It changes the play calling because, remember, the Giants still got the ball back. There's 7.28 left in the fourth quarter. Plenty of time. We're not talking about you're up against the clock, so that's why I said four-point game versus seven-point game. It could all of a sudden change how aggressive your approach is, your play calling, and so forth. That, to me, was a killer drive because of the two big chunk plays back-to-back that the Giants' defense Yeah, and then up. Jones got sacked on the next two drives. I mean, he got sacked on two straight yeah. drives. So, I mean, that's not going to work. And I'll, I'll go to the drive before that for the Jets. That was a killer for the Giants' defense. And this was a different problem. It was chunk plays. You know, short pass the bell for 11. Crowder, 25 yards. Oh, and guess what? What was it? It was a crossing route. I can't believe it. Then you had the pass interference on Baker, which watching it live, I thought it was an obvious pass interference call. Most people did. He didn't get his head around. Looked like he ran to Anderson. On the replay, there wasn't as much contact as, as I thought there was live, but I completely understand why they threw the flag the way they did. Yeah, because he didn't turn his head around. Yeah, it, 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 it's a basic technique thing, which is, by the way, we talked about it. That's something that he had a problem with when he was at Georgia, too. It's just something that he needs to get better at. And then Bell ran in for one yard. So that was a four-play four, yard t- four play touchdown drive right there. And actually, technically three, because I don't think the defensive pass interference counts as a play technically. But it was really a yeah, four-play, 70-yard touchdown drive. So, I mean, you get those two drives late. And a couple of things I want to bring up before we get to the calls. And we got a bunch of people on. Um, Giants' run defense, I thought, was excellent. They did a good job up front. But again, it's about the opponent, folks. Just like we talked about, Jets can't protect the quarterback. Well, the Jets haven't been able to run the ball all year either. So the Giants should have stopped them with the run game. But, you know, they did well. Lawrence was good. Williams was good. David Mayo was good. Tomlinson had a nice game. He had a sack, too. So those guys played well. I thought Jabril Peppers played an excellent game defensively. Uh, Golden Tate continues to play well. He caught a screen pass, ran it for a touchdown. I mentioned Darius Slayton earlier. He was really good. Him and Daniel Jones had that third and long connection going. He caught two touchdown passes. So there were some bright spots. But again, it was the negative stuff that just overcame anything good that happened that led to the loss. It reminds me a little bit of the 2016 season, and I'm not talking about the comparison of the roster, but the 16 season was a season where there were a lot of close games, John, and the difference was the Giants found ways to close out those games, but we're talking about a play goes wrong here or there. That record could look very different in 2016 than it turned out to be. So this is a season now where the Giants are, once again, playing a lot of close games. They're in it. But you're not finding a way to close the door, whether it be on offense or defense, and it's the same storyline because it's the same issues that keep coming up. Pass protection issues on offense, inability to run the football, and these are things that are a must if you want to put together good drives to close out a game. And then on defense, the chunk plays, the explosive plays, and you know also not being able to get home and create turnovers. The turnovers have come at times, but they haven't come consistently. And against the Jets team, which more often or not this season was asking you to take the ball away from them, the Giants just could not 
capitalize in that area. And that is why a lot of Jets opponents have been able to close the door on games because they've been able to get great field position as a result of the Jets' turnovers. We'll have the next two shows and the shows early next week to kind of do a, a first half or first 10-game recap. So I don't want to get into it, but I'll just say this one thing to build upon what you said, Lance. The Giants are now tied for last in the NFL with a minus 12 turnover ratio. The other teams that they're tied with? Atlanta. Lance, how many wins does Atlanta have? Atlanta has two wins. And they're also tied Miami. Lance, how many wins does Miami have? Miami has two wins. Um, Bengals are 29th in the league at minus 11. Lance, how many wins does Cincinnati have? Since he has a donut. Okay, and Cleveland's 28th. Lance, how many wins does Cleveland I believe have? Cleveland has three now, if I'm correct, That's or four? Uh, That sounds right, and they're okay. minus eight. You cannot win football games when you give the ball away and you do not take it away. And yes... That can be random sometimes, but you identify the problems that lead to your turnovers and your inability to take the football away, and those are the things that you have to try and fix. All right. Ready to do calls? I'm ready. 201-939-4513. It's brought to you by Coors Light. Enter in the ultimate VIP game day experience courtesy of Coors Light. Text VIP to 90464 for more details. Steve in New York will lead us off first. Steve, what's going on? Hey, guys, how are you? Uh, we can be doing better, Steve. How are you? <laughs> I'm with you on that one. Um, you know, I, I want to just start off by saying I'm, I'm positive still, and I'll tell you why. We have a very young roster, okay? If it was an older roster that was doing this, I'd be sick to my stomach at this moment. But it still doesn't excuse anything, but it gives me a little hope. Not a lot. No, that's fair. For the future. Hey, look, Steve, here's the thing. You don't like to use oh. youth as an excuse, but youth is a reason, and that's how I look at it. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, so what I'm hoping is that this will now, this year will now get us out of that um, so-called win while you rebuild type of a mode and just go all in rebuild. I don't want to see these. Um, my worry is Gettleman in the offseason might end up paying high prices for people just to get them in that exorbitant amounts for guys who are just overpriced. And we're not that team. You know, we need, we need to bring in um, a number of guys, not one guy and quality guys. Okay. So, so, you, so you, so you want to use the cap space, but you want to spread it around a little bit. For guys who are like, not, they have some upside to them, but you know they, they may not be proven, but they have upside while we're building this roster. Because yeah. look, okay, I was excited for 2020, but now I'm like, all right, well, 2020 obviously out the window. You know, like we we built through the draft, we're going to have some good positions this year, unfortunately, and hopefully we'll have with a lot of cap space and we get some players in here that can help contribute to a winning culture. Just getting back to winning. The only thing that kind of worries me a little is that I don't see very much improvement throughout the year from the young guys. You know, you, I understand making mistakes, and I, don't, I know you win. You hope to win as you're, as you're playing. You don't know one wants to lose. So I get that. But, like, you, if you're not winning, I want to see some kind of improvement. You know, like, like I don't see it from the defensive, on the defensive side of the ball. I, I see the same mistakes from the same players all the time. So that's a little worrisome. But they're young yet, so hopefully next year when they come in, everything will be better. But my whole my whole call was I, I, I hope Gettleman takes this roster because I still I still have faith in Gettleman. I hope he takes this roster instead of just dropping 
you know, paying for an overpriced left tackle or something like that. Get quality guys in here who have some upside that aren't going to cost us a million dollars, and let's build this into a young, upcoming roster. Well, right, Steve, appreciate yeah, it. And you got it, Steve. Uh, I mean, the way you do that in terms of not putting stress on your cap is you continue to draft well. I think that's the direction that makes the most sense. Yeah, you could use your salary cap space to bring in some guys on one- or two-year deals who are good special teams players or good complementary pieces, like a Michael Thomas, for example, who's not necessarily going to eat in Red to Ellison, your cap space. Correct. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think Dave Gettleman just looking at his track record in Carolina, John, is the type of general manager that just because you have the cap space means you got to go throw it at the wall and hope it sticks somewhere with some of these big prize free agents. He just didn't do that in Carolina. And remember, he inherited one of the worst cap situations in Carolina. He did a magnificent job in cleaning that up and then investing in some of the young guys that they drafted. Remember, Leonard Williams you just acquired. You're going to have to give him a new contract, John, if you want to retain him. So to the caller's point, I wouldn't be too worrisome over that because I think they need to take care of some present guys on the roster. And I think Dave Gellman is of the thought process that the way to continue to build up the depth chart in this team is through the draft. Now, with respect to young guys committing mistakes, keep in mind, you know, Sam Beal just got on the field, so you really haven't seen much of him. You haven't seen much of Corey Ballantyne either, John. You know, he just took recently over for Grant Haley. He was beat on one of those Crowder crossing routes, though, by the way. But what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is the sample size is still right. very small for him. Now, DeAndre Baker has played a lot more than these other guys. But when we say, you know, these young guys, it, it's not just the young guys making mistakes. Let, let, let's be honest. You know, they're also relying on some veterans, well, and, too, and on by the, the defensive way, side of the ball. No one at this point is a rookie anymore, either. I mean, they, these games. guys have played the equivalent of a full college season. They played the equivalent of a full yeah. college season more if you count the preseason, which a lot of these young guys played a lot of snaps in those games. So, yeah, it's not an excuse. Look, young guys aren't as good. They're not as disciplined. They're going to make mistakes, of course. But that's also not an excuse. It, it, it's a reason, but it's not an excuse. And you get to the point where you have to try to move past those types of mistakes. And the one thing in Steve's plan that, that doesn't make me scratch my head, but I'm, I'm not sure if he, he thought it all the way through, yeah, I want to spend money on young guys that have it all upside, but I don't want to get them on the cheap. You know what usually don't get on the cheap? <laughs> Young guys with a lot of upside that are unproven. Usually those guys are held onto by their teams or they're going to be too expensive that they get let go by their team. So, look, the Giants have cap space. They're going to try to fill some holes, and they're going to add guys in the secondary, linebackers, maybe offensive line. Uh, they'll get some help in the draft. They'll probably get a comp pick for Landon Collins. We'll see. Uh, they obviously lost the, the draft pick in at least one and maybe two. Well, they will use the second one in the 2021 draft. We just don't know what round it's going to be. Um, so they'll have draft picks, see how it goes. And they'll have a lot of cap space. They'll use it. Yeah, I agree. I don't think you you know, you know sign people for the sake of signing them. But, look, this is the third year of the regime. I mean, he said, I hope they really now go into a rebuild phase. Well, what the heck has been going on yeah. the last two years? No, they've been retooling over the last two years. Plus, the other thing on the subject of spending money— what has Dave Gettleman done since he's arrived, John? He actually has tried to clean up the big spending spree in 2016. To an so, extent, sure. Right? You know, I mean, mm -hmm. a number of those guys he's parted ways with. Yeah. Jenkins is really the only guy left. Snacks and Olivier Vernon are no longer here. So I don't think his first then gut feeling would be, well, all of that money I freed up, now let's spend it all. I, I think they understand with the way injuries have played out. 
it's useful to have some spending money during the course of the season, and the draft is the best way to go about your business. Like I said, that's how Carolina retooled its roster. So that, to me, is the wisest game plan. But you know, Yeah, the, but look, I think next year people are going to be looking for oh, significant and, improvement. Like, you're not going to go next year, yeah, we're, we're, you know, we're okay losing a lot of games. We're in the middle of a rebuild still. You're in year three. That's when things that'll start happening here a little bit. Well, you know and all, what I'm saying? Well, I agree with you, John, but I also think it's when things need to start happening in terms of your previous two draft classes. Well, that's the thing. Right? You, you combine their yeah. progress with who you add in for agency. You need both of those to convert. Absolutely. Correct. But, and what I mean by you need those draft classes, it's on the players, okay? It's not just on the front office. It's time for the players to show 100%. either you deliver or they're going to go in a different direction. The training wheels are taken off once you get into year three. Now it's time to ride the bike with the big boys because nobody's going to be there with the swimmies. So, you know, you got to jump into the deep end. Training wheels are off. Okay. You can mix all the metaphors. Exactly. That, and that's what I mean by saying that, that now this cluster of young guys, okay, you've had the sample size, you've been tested, now we want to see the consistency. I think that's a big part of the mindset for the front office. Let's next year. go to line two and say what's up to D in Atlanta. D, what's up? Hey, how you doing? What's up, D? Hi, D. Not much. Um, I, I, y'all kind of hit on what I wanted to talk about, the phase three, like Pauly Dot uh, talked about, as far as the uh, phase three. Yeah, of, go ahead. Of, you, uh, yeah, D, what do you got? Go right ahead. That's fine. Yeah, well, um, I, I agree with you all. I and mean, you know, it's like your training wheels are off. Phase three, we got to see some improvement. But I, I do have a question. Um, since we got, we're going to have cap space, what do you think uh, Gettleman would try to address uh, in year three as far as to help the team get better? Good question. Um, I think inside linebacker is a spot you look at that you have to get better at. The middle of that defense has been an issue. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think depending, you know, on what happens at corner, if Janoris Jenkins is back, maybe you don't have to, and you look at the progress of the young guys, but I think you can never have enough defensive back, so I think you look in that direction. Offensively, I think you still need to bolster the offensive line, but I think I would prefer to do that through the draft, to be quite honest mm-hmm. with you, because to me, you have some veterans here that when they're healthy, they, you know, they do a good enough job, not a good enough job the last few weeks, but in general, I think they've... They, they do a good enough job, so I think you try to draft some younger offensive linemen to build behind. Remember, Remmers and Solder, they're, you know, they aren't young guys. They're, you know, they aren't like you know, in their second, third year here. So you have to start building behind those two offensive tackles to, to groom their eventual replacements here. Um, that's where I would look. I'm not that concerned with skill positions offensively. I think Golden Tate's been wonderful. I think he's done a great job. You hope Sterling Shepard gets back from the concussion. Ingram, when he's healthy, is a good player. Barkley's good. So I would think offensive line, inside linebacker, defensive back, and then I left the most important one for last, edge rusher. You need someone that can consistently put pressure on the defense off the edge. They have Dexter Lawrence, B.J. Hill, Tomlinson, and Leonard Williams inside. They don't need any more defensive tackles. You're good. But you need a guy to pressure off the edge. So that might be your top pick in the draft or your big money uh, investment in free agency. If you're going to spend big or use a top pick on one spot, I think it's pass rusher. Yeah, to compliment Marcus Golden so that you know you have uh, a nice one-two punch. Because Golden, to me, has been a nice investment. He's produced consistently. He's a free agent, too, next yeah, year, Yeah, so you know, that's another guy like Leonard Williams. If you're interested in retaining his services, John, you got to keep him. Remmers, you brought up. Remmers is due to be a free agent. So you know, there's no guarantee he's going to be here. More of a reason why you want to go in a younger direction 
with the offensive line. You know, Antoine Bethea is another guy who also, you know, no guarantee because he was on a one-year veteran deal. So and Pat Shermer did mention Julian Love as potentially getting some time at safety by the end of the year today on his conference call, by the way. And I would throw the safety position in with the defensive back conversation only because of the structure of some of these veterans' contracts. Sure. They just may move on in a different direction. So based on that, just the default answer would be Adding a veteran corner to complement some of the younger guys and another option at safety, I think, is something that Dave Gettleman could very well look into considering you don't have a lot of guys on long-term deals at that spot. Okay, and uh, one more question. I'll take it off the air. Do you think Darius Slayton could be our number one receiver next year? Thanks for the call. Let's not make him a number one yet. How about we see him be consistent enough to be your steady number two? Yeah. I think there's promise there, and that should be the most encouraging aspect. And here's the thing with one, two, you need three solid wide receivers, John, in this league. I don't care how you want to number them. You need three guys who you could say, we're going to line them up, and we're going to have faith that those guys could take care of business. It's no coincidence with respect to the Cowboys will stay in the division. Okay, they went out, they acquired Amari Cooper, they drafted Michael Gallup, and they also brought in Randall Cobb because they knew that in this league, in order to spread those corners out wide and those safeties, you need three reliable wide receivers. So I would say the Giants on paper have them. I like the nucleus of Tate, Sladen, and Shepard. The problem is, you know, what's going to happen with Shepard and the concussions? You know, Sladen, you know, is going to be here, and, and Golden Tate you know, was signed to to be a promising aspect of the offense. It's just you can never predict the injury bug, John. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they have the potential there. You hope everybody returns to full health. But stop focusing on a one, a two. You need three guys, period. I don't care how you want to rank them. You need three. Now, Slayton has more of the body type and the physical skills to be that X-wide receiver rather than, you know, Shepard and Tate. They're kind of in that Z role where you're about six feet tall, 200 pounds. You do your thing. A little shiftier. Yeah. Slayton's the, the, the high-end speed, taller, contested catch guy, which is what you more think of when you're talking about X receiver. So um, I see him from that perspective, but, I mean, do I know that Darius Slayton's going to become a guy that's going to catch 90 balls for you for 1,300 yards in a year? No, I think we're a little ahead of ourselves there. I, I love his promise. He's got the speed for it. He's shown separation, contested catches. He's shown that in flashes. Remember, he also played the worst game of his career in the game against Dallas on Monday night. So... Let's get some consistency before we start putting him up on the pedestal. Joe in Pennsylvania. He's up next. Joe? Hey, hi, you guys. Hi, Joe. Right, Joe. I, I, could, I could stomach this one here because there wasn't a million blown assignments. And you could see what what, what happened. Like the, the big play where we lost, we gave him it, the rush, and he took the ball in on a touchdown. And then the big pass play, Baker gave up. On that play... I think uh, he, he got a hand to the face of his face mask before, you, you know, on that one, too. But the what pass he interference do, call? Uh, he would have turned around. Wait, Joe, are you talking about the pass interference call? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, on Baker. I mean, what yeah. I saw is I saw both guys hold each other's shoulder pads. That yeah. was what I saw. I, I saw didn't see face. any hand to the face. I mean, you could certainly argue there was a little touching of the shoulder pads. Both simultaneously, they were guilty of that. But as John and I mentioned, when you don't turn your head around and you make no attempt to see where the ball is, you're basically giving a gift to the refs to not bail you out. Uh, I, 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 I agree there, and I, I think that was the best ref game from all season here. Oh, my wow, God. Joe. Joe is complimenting the officials. We Congratulations, have Joe. Congratulations. You turned the corner. You turned the corner, Joe. Seriously. We're going to send a memo to the league on your behalf. Plays, you know, we went to review and everything, and it was obvious that 
that it, that it should have been turned around. We didn't have that. But, but Noah, look how good Daniel Jones played, and we didn't have no running game. They had four guys basically running, rushing the passer now and then the, the – the, their linebackers or safeties would blitz in, and besides that, they were in coverage. If we had any type of a running game for him, you know, that's the thing. The, we, we fall behind. I don't know what happened there. Fourteen to nothing. It seemed like the defense, the defensive backs, weren't up on on them as much uh, on their receivers, and and then. Later in the game, especially if they would have played like that, and they did later in the second quarter in, in the the last two quarters, you know, it might have been a different game, you know. But if we could only get a running game there going, and, and that's definitely, you know, yeah. because they there was no, no respect at all to, you know, and all they had to do was send them four guys up there. So they're, whoever their defensive line coach is, in them gaps and stuff like that, he 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 is really good. You know what I mean. And let's give me some. The Jets are in the same boat we are, and uh, you know what I mean. They beat Dallas, so they're they're just not a chump team here. They can jump up on anybody. Well, nobody any week too. and nobody should be overlooked. How many fielding calls did we have in Thank terms you, of? And appreciate the call, Joe. You know, the Cardinals, the Lions, oh, the schedule is going to open up. I actually thought Jabril Peppers, that he's been saying this phrase every single week, for those of you who may pay attention to the post-game pressers and some of the interviews in the locker room that we do, he's been saying this every week, and he's been on point. It sounds like a trite statement, John, but he says... It's all about execution on that given day. You could take the worst team in the league, you could play the best team in the league. Case in point, the Falcons played the Saints yesterday, okay? The Falcons lost six in a row, the Saints had won six in a row, and the Falcons won 26-9. to And if you watched Atlanta play all these weeks, you'd be like, how does that happen? New Orleans has been one of the hottest teams. Drew Brees just came back, their defense is Kamara's good. Kamara's back. Yeah, I mean, you got all of the things in a momentum standpoint going your way for the Saints, and they wind up losing in a lopsided game, 26-9. to so it's the same thing. You don't come, you don't execute, you turn the ball over, you don't have a running game, you commit penalties when you can least afford to do that, you don't protect the quarterback, yeah, you're going to lose to the Jets, whether the Jets have won seven games or they've won one game. It makes no difference. Cliches are cliches because oftentimes they are true. That's absolutely correct. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience, courtesy of Coors Light. Text VIP to 90464 for more details. Let's go to Len in Columbia, Maryland. Hello, Len. Uh, how you doing, guys? Could doing be better. Right. That's a bad team playing badly, guys. That's a bad roster, and they're not playing very well. It's hard to lose six games in a row. It's hard. And it could quickly turn into nine, given the next three opponents. Nine, nine, nine losses in a row, and we're looking at all-time history of the Giants. Six, I don't know how many times six has happened. Maybe only six times. But this, this is not a good team. You know, the, given, the, given the injuries that happened you know, before the game and the injuries that happened during the game yesterday, um, that, that team we put on the field in the fourth quarter, and, and it showed. I mean, I think Lance said, what, two first downs out of the last five yeah. possessions? And the Jets driving down the field, 14 points, 13 points, whatever it was in the, second, in the fourth quarter. Uh, that, that, that was akin to an expansion team. Uh, akin to an expansion team we had on the field yesterday. On which side of the ball, Len? On offense you're talking about? On both sides. Both sides. 
both sides. Well, the defense gave up. That's not fair. Yeah, I mean, you didn't, you didn't <laughs> lose. Len, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 hold on. Len, 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 Len. In the fourth quarter, you, you, it was a 14 points. Yeah, Len, go ahead. I'm sorry. That's okay. You On defense, you have a first-round pick in Dexter Lawrence, a first-round pick in Leonard Williams. Marcus Golden's got six sacks on the year. DeAndre Baker's a first-round pick. Janoris Jenkins was a first-round pick. Jabril, Jabril Peppers. Peppers was a first-round pick. Alec Ogletree was a first-round pick. It, it was not an expansion team. Listen, the last three, the last three guys you mentioned were expansion picks years ago. It's not like we well, just picked them. I don't know what that I means. I mean, come on. Okay. Peppers, is, he, Peppers is a good player. I'm, I'm not knocking Peppers. But, yeah, you know, we got a couple of guys there. But how do you lose six in a row? I mean, six in a row is hard, John. No, no, Len. No, Len. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm not arguing that part of it, but I just don't want to take – when you say it's an expansion team out there, I feel like you're yeah. trying to take the blame off the players. Well, um, and and that's not fair because they're not doing their jobs. No, no, they're not. And and let me let me. Is it okay to make a prediction this early before the season's over? I mean, we got six games to go here. You can do we whatever you want. Forty percent yeah. of the season left. I'm going to make a prediction anyway, John. Sure. We we got six offensive linemen on our roster right now. Oh, I'm sorry, ten offensive linemen on our roster right now. Six of them won't be in the league. Next year. Oh, by the way, Len, I, I I do have a question for you. I know you want to kind of. I know you're not the big jalapeno guy. Let me tell you yeah. something. I hope I, I bet you by the third quarter yesterday you were praying John Jalapeno was back in that game, based on how Spencer oh. Pulley played because he did not I'll play you, well. Well, I'll I'll say John, you get now listen and Lance, listen closely, please. I'm going to say what I've said for the last three weeks. The best center on this team is John Jalapeno. Now that's not a ringing endorsement of John Jalapeno. No, I hear you. Understand who the other two guys are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jalapio, and I hope he gets healthy quick. He's he's a little better. He's a little better than the other two guys. But that that's that's not the answer. John Jalapio's not the answer on that offensive line. That, that that's going to be. I mean, it's going to be a you know, it's going to be a huge change. Um, if you're going to run against the you know, running game, let me spend a few seconds on the running game. If you're going to run against a three-four defense you gotta get i've been saying this for years you gotta get the nose tackle blocked i mean mcclendon was killing us yesterday. he was he had a you're very right. good game you're yeah. len you're 100 percent right you're 100 percent right <laughs> you can't you can't you're not gonna, it starts if you're playing a three four defense it starts with getting that nose tackle yeah, blocked. you're not right. the outside guys the note you block yeah. that guy first or you're dead in the water Dead. We were dead in the water. Yeah, yesterday. a lot of I mean, penetration in the backfield. Pulley couldn't handle that. He was hanging on. Pulley was hanging on. Hanging on. Hanging on to Hernandez. Hanging on to Zeitler. Hanging on for himself. I mean, yeah. yeah. Okay. What the heck is going on with, with, with this first quarter? I mean, this is no longer, gee, wasn't that something in the first quarter? This is turning into a trend, guys. Yeah. What's going on in the first quarter? Yeah, five I, of the last six games they've trailed by double digits before they've even scored I'm, a point. Well, it's a, yeah, it, yeah, thanks for that one. Well, Lance. I mean, I'm just telling, I'm just stating you know, the facts. That's that's a great number to talk about <laughs> because it gets back to this. It's no longer an isolated incident. You're right, it's Len. It's a trend. No, you're what, right. What is this? And Len, the funny thing is that for the first, I think the Giants are the only team to score a touchdown or score on their first drive of the game the first four or five weeks of the year. So it's a trend that started after they began the year getting off to great starts. So yeah. I, I don't have an answer for you. I really don't. 
and and the, and the weirdness is in the fourth quarter. Are we getting tired? I, I I don't know what the answer is, but again, it's it's that first. I mean, look at those middle two quarters yesterday. The only touchdown was that weird play by Adams. Yeah. Well, yeah. it wasn't a weird play. It was a great play. It, it was a hell of a weird, play, yeah. But it was the play by Adams. Yeah. Uh, and, but the first quarter and the fourth quarter, uh, I mean, it was, you know, it was bad news. I, not, not related to that, you know, what happens at the front, the front end or what happens at the back end of the thing. I mean, we got six games left. What do we do? We got to do something, guys. No, I'm with you, Len. I, oh. I mean, and, and, and the, the, there are all pros on the street. I'm not suggesting we're going to turn over the roster no. before our next game against the Bears. But what are we, what are we going to do? We can't go to Chicago and do and play Chicago the way we planned on playing the Jets. I mean, we're going to get run out of that stadium. What you got any idea? I have no idea. I, I'm telling. You, I'm lost. Len, I don't get it. Len, look. I, but by the way, I like your assessment of the of the front three. And I like when we played three guys there, not four guys. I like when we played three. I thought Tomlinson had a very good game yesterday. He did. Very good game. And Williams and Lawrence faded a little bit as we got to the end of the game. I don't know. Maybe the, maybe the kid's getting tired. I don't know what to say. But and, big boy. Yes. What, you got any ideas? I mean, what do we do? Well, I think Thank num- you, Len. Yeah, appreciate, I appreciate the call, buddy. Always good to hear from you. I, I think, number one, you want this team to slowly move in the direction of full health. You know, they, they've been beat up in a variety of different places you hope Evan Ingram you know finds a way to get back for the final six games you know that would be a start perhaps Sterling Shepard gets back on the field they seem I don't to be know. fairly optimistic you know we'll I see. mean correct and Pat Shermer continues to emphasize on the conference call that he had with the media earlier today that you know he's still in concussion protocol but we're keeping him involved in practice and so mm-hmm. forth so that at least is encouraging so those are two offensive weapons you'd like to see on the field around Daniel Jones with Darius Slayton with Golden Tate. You hope Saquon Barkley now has two weeks to, you know, continue to recover from that high ankle sprain that uh, he is not that far removed from dealing with. Uh, Also, the offensive line, okay? You know, Nate Solder. uh, Will he be able to get out of concussion protocol by the time the Chicago game comes along? John Jalapio, we'll see what happens with his hamstring injury and Remmers in the back. With Leonard Floyd and Khalil Mack waiting... Well, uh, you and hope that's what you Lem get those to. tackles yeah. back, and you know the other thing: protect the football. I mean, can you go? Can you can you go through a game where you don't turn the ball over? The Giants haven't had one of those yet this year. That's right, they have not. Had can a clean you game. go through a game where you don't give the ball away? One, and I got to tell you, you know who isn't a good team to play when you're trying not <laughs> to give the ball away? The Bears. Yeah, I mean, because as much as the Bears have struggled this year, and they have 12 takeaways, it's ranked about 13th in the league. But last year they were a takeaway machine, oh, and they scored touchdowns off of those takeaways. And too. look, their record's not the same this year, but their defense is still really, 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 really good. Still really good. So that's going to be tough sledding. And you know what? Can you shut down Mitch Trubisky? He's been a nightmare this year. I know. He, I know he threw for three, three touchdowns three, yeah. yesterday. I don't even think he went for 200 yards though, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was like 180 or something like that. Can you? You know, the Bears' offense, let's be, let's call it like it is. The Bears' offense has been a mess this year. It has. It's been a mess. Yeah. The problem is that, you know, the Giants have been the get-right game for a lot of teams, John. And that's why it's not an ideal matchup, to your point, because you can't protect the football. You're going up against a team that's hungry for even more takeaways because I don't think they've been nearly as opportunistic as they were last year. No, I know you said 12. That, yeah, their takeaways are respectable. It's not terrible. But, I mean, last year we were talking about three to four a game. No, for example, they have 12 through – have they had their buy yet? They did, right? I believe the Bears have had so their the buy. Bears, so they've played nine games. They have 12 takeaways. 
Last year in 16 games, they had 36. Yeah, I mean, it was the rate that they were taking the ball away was insane. Plus, like I said, they also were scoring touchdowns. They finished with about yeah, like six or seven yeah, defensive scores. Mm-hmm. So back to the point here, that's why that's not an ideal matchup from the defensive standpoint. And then from the offensive standpoint, you look at the Bears – and they have not lit up the scoreboard. But, John, the Jets weren't lighting up the scoreboard either. No, the Jets were averaging fewer <laughs> points per game than the Bears were. The Jets were averaging 12 points a game. And, if you and take I don't away care the, who was under center. And if you that. take away the defensive touchdowns, they're averaging nine points per game. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, I hate to laugh, but no, you know, you're right. it's providing no, some perspective you're right. here. You're right. I, I really don't want to hear this is a layup line again. I, I was so tired of hearing that all season. Oh, don't worry. The schedule is going to open up. This is going to be great. Yeah, it all comes down to execution. Yeah, you got to play well. Yeah, you, well, you have to play well. The Giants, if they want to win games, I don't care who they're playing, they have to play well. And they have not played well enough. And I want to say one other thing real quick, Lance. Yeah. Unless you have a point on this subject you want to make real quick. Well, no, the only other point real, real quick that I was going to mention is Bears, Packers, Eagles is the first three games of the final six. Two of which are on the road. Yes. That's all I was going to say. Bears and Eagles. And the Giants' history against the Eagles on Monday Night Football is not great. Yeah, not pretty. It's not good. Yes. I do think the Packers are due for a regression. I think that's a sneaky, though, I mean, Aaron Rodgers throwing against us. Uh, never mind. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Yes, oh, yeah. What were you going to say? I don't want to give the defense too much credit for, you know, settling down because they should have given up an 80-yard touchdown pass in the second quarter. Oh, yeah. Donald I, missed I totally on the flea forgot flicker. about it. That's right. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, in, in the Jets' yeah. first drive of the second quarter, Overthrew him. on a first and 10, they run a flea flicker. Vincent, Vincent Smith, not the former linebacker Vincent Smith, Vincent Smith, who spells his name with a Y? Um, does that? <laughs> the audacity y- of yeah. that individual. What were his parents thinking? But anyway, go they ahead. are audacious. Yes. He he runs his deep post, runs right past Baker and Bethay. Where have we seen this before? And it should have been a touchdown, but Donald overthrew him by about a yard. It was a okay pass. It was just a little strong, and that should have been another big play for the Jets. So you know they didn't even really stop him on that drive. The Jets stopped themselves. Yeah, I think that that was a huge turning point where you were like, wow, the Giants dodged a bullet. Yeah, Let's see sure. if they can regroup, though, and take advantage of that. And, and they know, did. They scored it. That's when they got the 39 touchdown pass to Slayton on the next drive where the 39-yard, was that the slant when the guy fell down on the one-on-one coverage? I'm trying to remember exactly which that play one. that was. I think that may have been I think been that, that was. the Yeah, it was. Yeah, because his first yeah. touchdown was the one near the when they protected Jones forever, and he threw the short pass. And then correct. The other ran. one was when Slayton ran the in cut, and the defensive back fell down. And then he ran for the long yeah, touchdown. Part of like the right yeah. yeah. And by the way, how about the the blocking on the Slaytons on the Golden Tate screen? He had about four good blocks in front of him. He went untouched, sixty yards for a touchdown. It's, Great blocking there. It is laid out to be executed that way, and it did perfect, perfect execution. Well, and one of the things that stuck out last year was the ability for wide receivers to aid the rushing attack for Saquon Barkley and get to that second layer. You know, that also, I would say, has been missing to a certain degree. Well, here's the problem. When has Barkley gotten to the second well, layer yeah. the last three weeks? No, no, but I guess— I mean, I, I, honestly, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm being serious. Like, if he can't get past the defensive line and the linebackers, if the receiver's blocking a safety 20 yards down the field, who the hell could tell? Yeah, you're not going to benefit. But I guess what I'm saying is even with some of the screen passes that we've seen throughout the course of this season— that's where you at least get the pass towards the second right. layer, mm-hmm. and then immediately the guy is brought down. But yes, I would agree with you. Yesterday, there were a number of times, just as the handoff was going into Barkley's hands, there was penetration into the backfield. And to Len's point, a lot of times it was up the middle. It yeah. was. He's right. 
201-939-4513. We got three more calls. Let's get them all in. You know, Charlie was up next, but then he dropped and he came back. Well, that's not a bad see, thing. See, the second is a bad so, thing. So should I move him to the end of the line or yeah, take him Yeah, absolutely. Now? That's the punishment. Okay. We don't make excuses for phone lines. Execution. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of the game, even on this show. Peter is at a place that I would love to be in a few days during the bye week, and that's the Florida Keys. Hey, Pete. Hey, man. 85 and sunny. Oh, I today. hate you. You're the worst. <laughs> I, I'm not complaining. I love 40-degree weather. Sorry, so. That's okay. Yeah. What's up? Hey, a couple quick things. out a question and then a request for sure. you guys. But sure. first, I'd like to throw out, thank you very much, both of you guys. Actually, a little staff, because fans are frustrated. We know the Giants organization is frustrated. And calling you guys, helping us from jumping off the ledge, we really appreciate it. You guys are excellent. Thank you. Thank we you. appreciate you. Well, and by the way, you're welcome to all you guys out there that are sticking with the team and are still engaged with the content because it's tough. We know uh, when the team's not winning, it's hard. We appreciate you sticking with us, and we hope we're entertaining you a little bit. Well, I sure can't cheer for the Dolphins. That's supposedly my local team now. So <laughs> that's <not> <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. So... So a couple of quick things for you. Um, the first question I had, and I apologize if somebody asked this because okay. um, I missed the part of the show at the beginning of the show. Alex Rosas, he missed three extra points in the last three games. Is there something physically wrong with him? Has Jeff Eagles or has anybody addressed? Is this just a mental thing? What's what's the deal with him? Next time I there reasons for concern. Yeah, look, yeah, I think you should be concerned. And Bob Papa said on the radio broadcast, I'm sure you didn't hear it, but he was watching him in pregame warmups and he was missing kicks all over the place. Um Jeez. Yeah, I mean it was just a situation where look, the first one was not his fault, it was a bad stat from Diasi. They tried to get the two point conversion, they get the offensive pass interference call, which I thought was an okay call. Uh, then he's kicking a 43-yard extra point, uh, wide left or right. I don't remember which one it was. And, look, he, he's missed way too many kicks that you maybe don't expect to be automatic, but you expect him to make them consistently. And there's been too many instances the last few weeks, and he'll be the first one to tell you that he needs to make a higher percentage of these kicks. And he's walking around. And look, if there's something physically wrong with him, he's done an excellent job hiding it because I have not noticed anything that would indicate to me that he's injured. When Thomas McGahee, the special teams coach, spoke to the media the other day, he was asked about this and said, you know, Rosas has such a strong leg that one of the things they're trying to teach him is 90 for him is like 60 for everybody else. So he sort of needs to get a good grasp of how to utilize his power because he has such a strong leg. So, you know, that I think has been somewhat of a battle. So too many times he's hitting the driver when he should be hitting the pitching wedge. Essentially, wedges, basically what yeah, you're if, you, if you want to use a golf analogy, yeah. th that was one of the things that Thomas McGahey brought up. You know, the other thing is, you know, getting into a place where you're consistent in your form and not to make excuses, but let's be honest, Rosas has not had a lot of opportunities for field goals this year. I know we're talking about extra points, but you know, kickers, you get into a flow based on the volume. That hasn't necessarily been there. The other aspect is, and I was talking to Jeff yesterday, and yeah, what do you say about snaps it? need to be cleaned up a little bit from Zach Diossi in terms of you know being more in sync with Riley Dixon, a little bit all over the place, a little bit inconsistent. So that, to me, is another aspect that I think has impacted the field goals and the extra points. Great. Thanks for that explanation, guys. Yeah, no, appreciate uh, it. The other, the other thing I had was a soft request. Uh, you know, I've been a, a Giants fan for almost 20 years, and shoot, the only person I really know leading this team is Eli Manning. Let's be realistic. Daniel Jones is the future. This potentially is Eli's last year. 
I don't see they're going to pay somebody $17 million to back up Daniel Jones moving forward. Is it possible, and I ask this with all sincerity, is it possible you could request Eli Manning to sit in with you guys on one of these shows? <laughs> that way we could, we could show our respect to him. And I'm not going to lie, I'm probably going to set a two or three when he does indeed hang it up. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for the call. For the and call. you know what? If Eli does decide to retire after the year, I have no idea what he's thinking. If he wants to play for another team, um, we could try. I mean, all we can do is ask. I mean, I think Eli would love to hear from the fans. You know, I'm sure he'll be busy, but yeah, <laughs> we can make the attempt. You know, we can put the Tino next to him as the Tino sweats profusely next to him as he has him on the air. But um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We love Paul. You know that. But um, yeah, look, we could try, and you know, maybe Eli be willing to do it. I don't know. Yeah, he, he usually says yes to everything, so he's the best. But I, I think it, you know, it, it all depends on his mindset, you yeah. know, and, and what he's thinking and so forth. He's also a guy that might be like, "Look, guys, let me just have my press conference." He might, maybe he doesn't even want to have a press conference. I don't know. Maybe he just wants to quietly, you know, ride off into the sunset. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know how he's going to want to handle. However, he wants to handle it is fine by me. The way he's handling himself here, that you can't really, you know, you can't really complain about it. Ian in Florida, he's up next. Hey, Ian. Hey guys. Um, first of all. Uh, it's it's really sad, and no offense, but when you guys are more entertaining to me this year in the past probably six out of the seven years, uh, all your content that you guys do on the site and the app, uh, then what, what's the product that's on the field right now? Um, I think that we were exactly what the Jets take that as bad a offense needed. <laughs> we're, we're, I mean, it's I'm almost 39. I've been a Giants fan my whole life, and it just are – it's just our M.O. to just make bad teams look great. Um, it's sad that we're going to be picking before the Miami Dolphins this year. No, not this. You don't know that yet. You don't know that yet. You don't know that yet. Okay. But it'll be close, um, which you don't want. It's, it's, it's looking good, and I'm actually looking forward to the draft because this is the third year in a row, and again, six out of seven years, that I'm looking more forward to the draft than on Sundays. And, you know, I know you guys – you guys, it's a thing called vantage point. I think you guys are just a little too close to the team because if you take a little step back and see what us, the fans, are seeing, it, it, it's just sad. It's it's really, you know. What you do know, you think? think our, no, 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 our, no, 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 real quick. What uh, do you think you guys are seeing that we're not? Well, I feel like the youth keeps getting talked about and our young guys, and it's covering over our vets. It's covering over our highest-paid players. It's covering over Nate Soldier. It's co- covering over uh, Alec Ogletree, Janoris Jenkins. It's covering over our highest-paid players that are not producing, and it's 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 really sad. It's really sad to see that our highest-paid players are not producing. No, Ian, Ian, look, and also, Ian, Ian, we are not going to argue. There are vets on this team that have not played well enough this year to help the team win. We would not argue that point with you. Yeah, and I even said that earlier in the program. I said it's not just the young guys. It's also the veterans as a big part of the conversation. But, you know, you also need to put things in perspective that when Nate Solder goes out and you put in Eric Smith, I think maybe you start to appreciate what Nate Solder actually brings to the table. Because then if your answer is to get rid of Nate Solder, what's plan B? Who's going to replace him and how is that guy going to execute? You know, that's a big part of the story, too. I, I, and I'm with you on that, and that's why I'm not necessarily talking just on this last game. Yep, we're with I'm you. Talking, yeah. I'm, talk, I'm talking in general over the whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, you know, Pat ain't cooking 
uh, Gettleman's groceries right now, and I see no discipline. I see, um, I see no accountability. He says that it's not acceptable for turnovers, but where is the progress? Where is the change? Daniel Jones has played a, a bunch of games now, and it's still. And I understand Jamal Adams made a heck of a play, and Barkley. Don't get me, get me started on that. I think the poison from Odell is, is going to start seeping in on him now. I think there's a, he's quitting on this. O-line. I think think that's a a bit of hyperbole there. I'm not being emotional. I'm really starting to see some things from Barkley that I kind of like was actually fearful for because I think that he's such good friends with Odell. Mm. And I think that, I think you saw the, the, it was the Lions game with the lack of hustle going against Devin Kennard. Uh, You see the, the, the poor blocking and the pass pro. Like, I'm just saying, it's just sad. I see no discipline. And I can't believe we can't. It's just so sad that we can't get a top coach to, to coach our New York football giants. And I'll listen to your thoughts. Thanks, Thank you, I appreciate the call. Right. Um, I, I think you're looking too deep into Barkley. Yeah. Has he played well the last few weeks? No, we're not going to argue that he has. But again, I do think you know some of that's injury-related. He And he voluntarily took blame for the Lions play, that he didn't go after the ball hard enough. He, I think he might have brought it up on his own after the game before he's even asked about it on the postgame. So, well, he certainly took responsibility. Yeah, for absolutely. It, yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, I think you're trying to dig a little bit too deep there. Trust me, Barkley, as someone who deals with him on a daily basis, he's still he's still a really good kid. It's not it's not what you're saying it is. Um, but can you be disappointed in how he's playing? Absolutely. And I think that goes to your point where even though the young guys aren't producing, that's when you need your best players to be at their best. And right now, the Giants' best players aren't at their best either. I think the only guy that you could argue that I think Peppers played to his best this past week. Golden Tate, I think, has been very, very good, which unfortunately gets kind of lost in the conversation because the team has been winning. I think he's had an excellent year um, of the veterans. I mean, I guess those are the guys I'd, I'd, I'd kind of put in that category. But, yeah, look, guys, they got to play better. I mean, we're not, we're not arguing with you. I mean, look, the, like, how many times are, are we going to say that the team has to stop sh- making mistakes and shooting themselves in the foot to start winning games? I mean, these like Lance said earlier in the show, it sounds like a broken record. We're saying it every week, but when it keeps happening, what else are we going to say? Yeah, I mean, I think with respect to Saquon Barkley, there's a distinct difference between the lack of hustle versus the lack of execution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a question of him not trying. It's just, unfortunately, the execution is not where it should be. I mean, if he wasn't trying, he wouldn't even try to block Jamal Adams. Correct. Yeah. Right. So, you know, don't confuse both of those things. I get the frustration. I understand that. But I think more often than not, John, when your team is not performing well, you automatically just assume guys are just, just going through the motions. Yeah, right, right. I don't look at Saquon Barkley as a guy who's going through the motions. Uh, I think he's frustrated, but I think that there is also things that are holding him back and why he's unable to execute. As far as the comment, and, and you tell me maybe if I'm misinterpreting, but the, the last caller brought up, you know, Daniel Jones continues to turn the ball over, well-documented, and, you know, where's the discipline being shown in terms of the front office and the coaching staff, or where's the accountability? I mean, what's the answer? What do you want them to do? You want them to bench Daniel Jones? I don't think that's a solution. The whole purpose of getting Daniel Jones in this season is for him to make these mistakes and learn from them. I mean, do you really think he's not protecting the ball because he's not a, because he's not being afraid of taking out of the game? I yeah, mean, I, come, I, on. come on. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't believe that. So he, he's a very conscientious young man. He cares. Trust me. I got to do these interviews with him after every game, and he does them. He's great. The kid can't even bring himself to like look me in the eye right now. That's how. Well, most people distra- can't look you in the eye when they're <laughs> next to you. So I, I don't know if that says much of anything. But I, go ahead, please. I yes. do have dazzling eyes. <laughs> yes, so, that is well, true. 
Um, Only but... <laughs> one person may have said that in your lifetime. Yes, my ahead. wife. Aha, I found her. <laughs> okay, so um, I take that back. Yes. Two people may have said it. My apologies. But um, all, all jokes aside, look, the kid cares. I mean, I talk to him after every game. He's distraught. He feels like garbage. I feel bad having to ask him questions, to be honest with you. I feel I, bad for him, too, for yeah. having to be able to answer I, your well, questions. You should let me get my I'm point. sorry. You're just <laughs> laying it out here. I, I One d- fastball after another. But go ahead. Yes. The kid cares. And trust me, it, if you take him out of a game after a fumble, he's not going to be like, oh, well, now I'm really going to try to hold on to the football. Yeah. That, that That's not what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, this is not, you know, parents and, you know, taking away the computer. So he's worried about that. Or you're going to put him in the corner and no milk and cookies. I, I don't think that's the answer. And, and, and yes, I agree with the caller's sentiments. Okay, this is not a defense of Daniel Jones. The turnovers have to stop. The turnovers have to be cleaned up. 12 fumbles, 8 interceptions. 10 fumbles lost, 8 fumbles lost? 9 fumbles fumbles lost, 8 interceptions. 17 turnovers. It's the most in the NFL. So the numbers alone tell the whole story. You don't need our commentary, and you don't need to sell it to us. The turnovers have to stop. We've gone over the numbers. I've told you how many defensive touchdowns have been scored off of the fumbles, but the answer isn't let's sit down Daniel Jones or you know let's go to what was the movie where they have the guy carry the football around who's fumbling all the time yeah, I think it'll come to us the, eventually yeah I think and the program was that the program where they got I don't know if it was the program no, yeah. no no it was the program it was, the program. It was Omar was Epps that, okay so Omar Epps Omar said to carry the ball around. there you That's go okay was. right you know he yep. had fumbling mm-hmm. issues so they made him carry it everywhere yep. and guys through the hallways were just Lord Fishburne's tackling him in the yeah, halls okay. yeah, and not to make light of it again it's just those are not the types of things that maybe be portrayed in Hollywood that I think are going to be effective in reality for an NFL team. This is where you want to build his confidence. You want him to learn. And yes, you do hope that eventually he's going to turn the corner. He's going to take hits. He's going to go down. He's going to have the football. We're just waiting for that turning point to occur. All right. I know we're late. Final call of the show. Is well, we Charlie can end the show right now, actually. Nah, let's get Charlie a chance. Hopefully he's not going to be crazy today. Hey, Charlie. For everybody hey, guys. Yeah. Hey, What's up, buddy? Hey, Mr. Fumbles. Give me a break. Nice handoff to Adams. You know where he had that ball? He had one hand on it, and it was on his hip. No, you're right. Yeah, no, it was. Right. It was sliding out. Yeah, Charlie, no argument. He did not have the and, – and by the way, people didn't realize it. He actually fumbled on that first sack, too. The ball just yeah. happened to go right to Saquon Barkley yeah. to, to save the play. Well, and there was also the play where the snap – it looked like he took his eyes off the football yeah, for a second, correct, right? Yeah. And he mm-hmm. dropped that. No, Charlie, but look, recovered that. you're 100% yeah. right. 100%. I keep saying it's a major flaw. You know how many sacks Kyler Murray's had? He's had 31. He's had, thir- yeah, he's had 31. Jones has had 32. You know how many fumbles Kyler Murray's had? I think two. one. Do one, two. two? Yeah, no, Charlie, look, you're right. Yeah, he, he has to get it fixed. It doesn't mean that it can't be fixed, though. Weeks and he keeps saying, "I got to take care of the ball. I got to secure the ball." But he's not doing it. Does any beat writer have any guts to say, "Well, you haven't been doing it. What the hell are you doing to try to fix it?" Yeah, that happens a- every week. Yeah, they ask him that is- at least two times in every game, at least. No, I know, Charlie. You're right, and and well, the writers do ask him that at his locker. They do. It's a major flaw. He ha- they yes. got to pick a quarterback because we're going to be uh, picking number two or see, three. They you wanted to field this phone call. So let me say one more thing. What have I was screaming about since March? A we lot, a lot. A unfortunately, your mental stability. <laughs> we need a right? what? What, what do you need? A veteran swing tackle. He said. Veteran swing tackle. Hey, well, listen. You can't go into a season Charlie. with a rookie. Hey, Charlie, Eric hold on. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. Lined up at left tackle. Nick, he never first even of all, lined up at left tackle Charlie. in any, Charlie. any uh, you know, practices. Charlie. Charlie. That was the first time he was a left tackle. Charlie. Don't you think Charlie. he's going to come back to bite you Charlie. at some point in time? Charlie. Who was the Giants swing tackle entering this game? 
Who was the Giants oh, swing tackle? Oh, stupid Gates, Who? and he's yes. not even a tackle. How did how did how did Gates play in the game yesterday? I don't know. I wasn't watching. Well, Gates. I, was I did. The and on the he was other looking. Side. No, he was and looking Nick over Will Beatty's stats. He was preoccupied. And Nick Gates played well. No team has two swing tackles on their roster. That's not how the league you, works. The first guy up. Yeah, if Nick Gates did a good job. League, they have a veteran oh guy. We don't have I any veteran I made a mistake. Guys. Yeah, made you a mistake. did. Hey, listen. This, Thank you, Charlie. You we made the go. bed. Now you got to sleep in it. Now I'm not going to rescue no, you look, look, on this one. No, look. Because Nick Gates actually did a good he job did, as no, a swing Nick tackle. Did, he did a nice yeah. job. He wasn't perfect, but he was fine. You can't. No one has two good backup tackles. Let's not yeah. be stupid now. Well, and, and first of all, Charlie's wrong because Charlie said that he was projected as a guard at the NFL level. I don't care what he was projected. He played as. Tackle Nick Gates in played college. tackle in college. That's okay, that's a fact, Charlie. So whoever you're talking with, the, the three neighbors down the door, and you huddle in every weekend. Okay, I don't care. You know what your third cousin told you. I think you're actually giving him credit. That actually is non-imaginary well, friends. I'm giving some credit to uh, people that can at least put up. I'm assuming family at least at some gatherings faces him face to face, but. <laughs> Getting back to the point at hand here, maybe what I'm stunned with, and I didn't have an opportunity to respond because you were preoccupied with Charlie. I've been telling the front desk, if there's anybody that calls up demanding to speak to Dave Gettleman about Will Beatty, put him through. So apparently, Charlie's phone calls are just not getting through to the necessary channels. I, I've been campaigning on his part, but unfortunately... The uh, the people running things here have some common sense. Thank I, I want to remind people of the schedule this week. There will be no Big Blue Kickoff Live on Thursday or Friday for the bye week as we get some much-needed time off. We can reset mentally and physically. We'll be back on uh, next Monday with live shows after the bye. Uh, tomorrow, we'll have our normal lineup. It'll be Paul and Russ tomorrow. It'll be Russ and Deal on Wednesday. Again, no show Thursday and Friday. And again, if you're listening to this on podcast form, the show will no longer be on the Giants audio podcast feed starting December 1st. The new channel has already launched. Just search for Big Blue Kickoff Live. Add it to your favorites in your playlist. And, of course, if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a positive review. So we'll be back tomorrow for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. For Lance Meadow, I am John Schmelk. Thank you for sticking with us. We do appreciate it. We'll see you next time, everybody. Have a great day. Have a good one.